Oh. Hi. And uh, What's the matter? Why are you making noises? Because <laughs> it's just hassly. It's hassly. There's work. I'm trying to sell my mum's flat. Well, I have sold... I mean, we have sold my mum's flat. But that man, does that drag on? She's been moved seven months and still... Mm. Anyway, that's mm. all happening this week. And readings and companies that aren't helpful and solicitors and all that. And I'm out every night this week. And that's good because it's fun, but it's also slightly stupid. Mm. Well, maybe you could just not have quite so much fun in a week and, um, yeah. you know, face up to the pain a bit more. Mm, let's go have some more fun. OK, good good point. Welcome, everyone, to mm. episode... <laughs> so, have you just taken a swig of drink? Well, yes, I oh. have just. Uh, well, it's it's it's, um, it's pina colada, but it's pina colada tea. It's very nice. Lord, it's, that is odd. I know it's 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 anyway, delicious. Anyway, you shouldn't drink during the podcast because I have to edit out all your slurping noises. I do not slurp. I am a silent drinker. Do, carry you are on. Not. Carry on with the intro. It's all going very <laughs> all well. Right. Well, welcome everybody to episode one hundred one. Why did I know that was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> episode 101 of the Midfaith Crisis podcast with me, Nick Page, and my colleague, Joe Slurpy Davis. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, you're busy, busy? Uh, yes, reasonably. You know, like us all, aren't we, really? But yes, yes, bumbling. But I did have time to go and see last night The Personal History of David Copperfield. Oh, what yeah. a lovely film. Man, you've got to go see that. Well, no. um, I might do, yeah. I mean, no. I like Dickens. I, uh, I love the the book; is very good. Everything is good about that film. It's just mm. one of those just joyful cinematic experiences. Who plays Micawber? Micawber, uh, can I have an easier question? Well, come on, the guy who's you know, uh, 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 Mr. Micawber is always in debt. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's uh, Peter Capaldi. Oh, great. Okay, great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, it's just terrific. Honestly. Um, yeah, you'll love it. Yeah, you'll love good. it. That's good. Um, what else? Um, the uh, the Soul Place Day filled up. Thank you for those That's of nice. you. So, you know, we put a strict limit of 10 on that. Uh, right. Somehow we've got 11 people coming. <laughs> Counting has not been a, a great gift <laughs> to me. <laughs> my luck. I know. Albeit some people might not come if they suddenly become grandparents, which evidently is a possibility. So, Oh, um, gosh. OK. <laughs> that's yeah. a, could be added a frisson of excitement to the day. So that's good. And, um, and we may have to do another one because now there's a bit of a waiting list. So that's good. Uh, Excellent. And we're seeing the lovely Nick and Michaela this Saturday uh, to talk about similar things. So it's all go. We will gradually get through the podcast listeners. One by, <laughs> one by one, two by two, or indeed well, 11 on. by if you, 11. You've, if you've got 11 and another two coming, that's that's like 90%, isn't it, of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just as well percentage. there are only 17 because... Yeah, indeed. <laughs> this is, doing this all wrong, Rachel and I have been sort of trying to reevaluate our life and saying, mm. you know, well, could we, could we do things, but it's, you know, whereby we earn a bit more money and... You know, maybe, maybe you know, change things. I don't have mm-hmm. to do so much celebrancy work and we can do more of what we're passionate about and all that stuff. But this is costing us now. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm a natural-born businessman. You know? I think 
<laughs> yes, you're catering for people. But are they we bringing love a bottle? Doing it. Are they bringing a bottle? That's the key thing. I don't know. Not for the if you'd put If you'd put bring a bottle on the invite... I should do. ...then you could have sold the wine. Yeah. Oh, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Well, that... Although, knowing you, you'd have just drunk it, <laughs> yeah, so that wouldn't probably, have worked. Probably would have done, yeah. Good on you for doing that. That's very good. No, it's exciting, and just such lovely people we're meeting. So, yeah, good. Anyway, that's it. How are you? I'm I'm all right, yeah. Um, I'm, I had a good day yesterday. I went into the Bodleian Library and, uh, mm. and just wrote, and it was one of those days where everything sort of clicked, and I suddenly rediscovered the joy of writing which i think has been a bit absent from me for really? a while actually yeah uh and i just really enjoyed it and and good. it went well that's, that's so that was nice that felt like a good a good day so so uh, i've got a question on that mm. so because i can imagine there must be really great days and just awful days yeah, when you're yeah. writing i don't know but i imagine that's how it works but mm. looking back on the experience of writing the badly behaved bible mm. which as we all know was universally loved and universally adored. acclaimed. Universally <laughs> acclaimed, I mean. Um, yes. What, when you look back on the writing experience for that, is is mm. that with positive or was that one of those ones where you really had to grind, grind it out? It was like out? having teeth pulled. That was one. it? Yeah, it was really bad. I think that's partly why it's taken a while to recover from it in a way. I don't want to sound all poncy writer, no. you know, like, oh, woe is me. But I think, I think that was very hard work and... Yeah, I almost went through a period where I almost forgotten how I do it. You know, I mean, mm. I just sort of couldn't remember how to do the thing anymore. So it was nice to get back. I mean, most writers are sort of happiest when either they've had the idea for a book or they finish the book, and everything in mm. between is a bit of a pain. Mm. Um, and I'm always very happy discussing books with publishers over lunch. That's where I feel my skills are very strong at that point. Mm. Writing them not so good, but um, oh. yeah. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone would call you Ponzi. I mean, some <laughs> people might not call you a writer, but, you know. I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So otherwise, I'm very happy. I'm getting outside, doing all kinds of stuff. It's really nice. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, me too. Been down the beach um, mornings and some evenings. And yeah, does does you good. In fact, if I open my window here, you probably can't see it. But there's a gorgeous new moon and a very bright star slash not star planet, no, I, I imagine. I can't see it. No, but it's good. Well, thank you for sharing that with the podcast listeners. Well, let me share this. Mm. Danny, lovely Danny in Uganda, had a lovely chat with her last week. And here's the thing. You know, we were joking about saying, huh, huh, she's not even bothered to come over here and have a meal. <laughs> well, yeah. here's what I discovered. She has been bothered to come over and come to Lee Abbey in June. Oh, so we'll really see you nice. there. Isn't that great? Oh, lovely. Super. Thanks, Looking Danny. forward to that. Looking forward to that whole thing, really. No pressure, though, Danny. Just lower your expectations of what's going to yes. happen. <laughs> yes. I would personally get some other entertainment booked in for that time that's really high quality. Because exactly. then you'll cope with the lows much better. Yeah, exactly. Right. Are, are we ready? Shall we move on? Some feedback? Well, might as well. Yeah, let's do it. OK, Stephen. Now, Stephen, this has obviously been a bit delayed, but he says, thanks for tackling my thoughts and questions on last Saturday's podcast. Go back a couple, by the way. Uh, that was really helpful and thought-provoking. And on reflection, I think the issue I have is the idea that there is a devil that is scheming against us or is watching us, ready to pitchfork us at our weak points. Essentially, an interventionist devil. 
This is, first of all, a pastoral can of worms. But I hear people blaming issues and problems on an attack from Satan and use that as an excuse over our own choices. Living with uncertainty about a devil, as Nick said, I'm comfortable with. That said, the existence raises questions such as how did a devil come out of a perfect God? And if he is going to be once and for all defeated in new heaven and a new earth, who is to say another angel might not rebel? <laughs> I've had that same question. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And Oh, yeah. But without doubt, I agree there is evil. And if people want to put a name to that, then I get it. Uh, I really like the quote about the bank collective of the pack creating institutions. Uh, you may remember. And I think that does tie with bringing God's kingdom back here on earth, that when people change, institutions can change and that will defeat the evil created by them. And he says, I like your other feedback about retreats. I'm an introvert, apparently, but I like meeting with God when I'm active running or mountain biking, especially on the mountains skiing. But mm. that is a good point, isn't it? I know we want to sort of be seen to be balanced and, you know, but if you do believe in an actual personification, it does... It does create a lot of problems. Well, I think if you, if you don't, it equally creates some problems yeah, I guess in so. terms of encountering Scripture. I think I, I always take refuge. There's a verse in 1 John. If I can give you the exact verse reference, okay. I will. 1 John. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, which says, mm. Greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. Mm. And I always think that's the key thing. You know, whatever is going on around us, greater is he who's within us than he is in the world. So, know. you know, we don't have to be scared of that stuff. But it is a difficult area, I think. I agree. And we know an 80s song about that as well. Oh, we do might... you? Oh, he that is in us is greater than he that is in, in the world. I remember that now. I, I used to always sing that when I was grating cheese for some reason. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Excellent. You must know that. There's a bit of merchandise waiting to happen, (laughs) I think. Exactly, yes. The mid-faith crisis cheese grater would be great, (laughs) wouldn't it? Store that in the merch ideas folder. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Okay. And speaking of Danny... Uh, Dear Joe and Nick, I so appreciated hearing about the concept of a yearly theme. I have a strong aversion to New Year's resolutions, but really like the the idea of a theme. The theme I've chosen for 2020 is Year of Plenty, encapsulating the idea of abundance and generosity, walking through 2020 with an eye to all that is rather than all that isn't. The notion of there being more than enough as I rebuild my life. More than enough courage, more than enough resources, more than enough time, more than enough help and support, etc. Anyway, one thing I was encouraged to do, and maybe it's obvious, but I hadn't connected the dots, is to feed my theme into my daily examine. So rather than just noticing times in the day when I was aware or struggled to be aware of God's presence in general terms, specifically paying attention to times when I was aware of God's abundance and generosity and when a scarcity mentality was at work. I have admittedly only just started doing this, but so far I'm finding this really helpful as it's making the exam more meaningful and tangible. And I hope uh, we'll keep my theme uh, in focus as the year progresses. And then she says, regarding silence and silent retreats, I'm an extrovert. And last year went on my first eight day silent retreat. Eight days, actually. First ever retreat she says of any kind, unless you count the one day one I went on when I fell asleep for pretty much all of it. (laughs) Loved it. She says, I was really nervous and I wasn't sure what to expect and didn't think I'd survive not talking for anywhere near that long. But it was incredible. And sitting in companionable silence with others, not having to explain myself or make polite conversation was bliss. 
Retreats aside, for me it's the act of choosing to sit in silence with all distractions, including movement, dialed down that I feel safe enough to begin to expose my vulnerability and be open to God. There's a David Benner quote that says, Dare to be naked before the naked God and you will be changed. It's in silence that I dare to attempt being naked before God. Isn't that great? Excellent. Uh, David Benn has written some very good books, actually. Um, isn't he the Incredible Hulk? Yes, he is. He's also a psychologist and writer oh, really? of spiritual formation books. He yes. gets around then, doesn't he? He does, but he only writes that, obviously, at the times when he's not smashing things. <laughs> okay. And can I make it clear, Joe, just in case you were mm. wondering that, dare to be naked before the naked God and you will be changed. That's mm. metaphorical. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I know. I just wanted to underline that because I could see you. I could hear the thought process going. Anyway. Worthing Beach, you know, <laughs> suffered it. enough. Enough. Right. Val says, hi, Joe Nick. I've listened to every one of your podcasts from episode one. Oh, Val. Oh, Val. Uh, <laughs> excellent thank she, you uh, she said as a result of your article actually in Christianity magazine oh, she says good. you and the writers of all those fantastic emails have been my friends and companions on the podcast journey and then she goes on to say I've gone from feeling quite isolated to reaching out to others and I'm now leading a small group of women like myself 60s to 70s who attend the same church we're asking questions and helping each other in a safe loving environment I feed a lot of what is discussed on your podcast into the group as discussion starters. We're taking on board some of the deeper spiritual disciplines that you've talked about and trying them out. Recently had our first ever agape meal. Your podcast has been instrumental in preparing me for the opportunities and opening my eyes to wider possibilities within a church that I'd almost given up on. I was, isn't this great? I also point yeah. other people that I meet to episodes I think would be helpful to them. So the podcast is a very valuable resource for a wider audience too. Thanks for the hard work, blah, blah, blah. I know you don't want to hear that. I hold Ethel very dear in my heart. Oh, don't we all? Oh, don't we, we do. All. <laughs> it's best, best to hold her dear in your heart rather than to hold her in real life. It's a, yeah. That's a frightening experience. No, Val, that's yeah. lovely. That is really... Um, I'm very touched and that's precisely why we do it. And thank you very much. OK, and then just one more from Peter, who says, Bravo, chaps. Uh, great achievement. Massive contribution to our community of mid-faithers. Looking forward to the next 100 episodes. He says, a quick thought on Tom's question, whether retreats need to be silence or if we can retreat in activity. And he says, and I write as an extrovert who likes activity. I'm sure that it's possible, but there is a very special place for silence and stillness, which it's important to recognise. First, there's a good biblical precedent for it, whether it's Elijah failing to find God in the noise and activity on the mountain and needing to be still, or Moses needing to stop his running and be confronted by a burning bush, or Jesus going into the desert. How do we know God? The psalm says, be still and know. Second, the capacity to be still and listen is what enables us to start to recognise our own incessant mental chatter and to hear what lies beyond. I heard this quote today by the artist, writer and musician Salome Vigelin. Did I say that right? I'm not sure if I got the name huh? right, but, but it's spelt V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N. Oh, never know. Vergelin. Mm, mm. Vergelin, maybe. Anyway, however it is spelt, uh, which seems opposite. And, and the quote is this. If I cannot listen to silence, I cannot listen to anything. In this sense, a period of silence, whether on retreat or in a routine practice, provides the chance to tune up 
our capacity to listen and to deepen awareness, which I'm sure we can then apply when we're out windsurfing, running for the bus, washing the dishes, or even shock horror listening to Nick and Joe. <laughs> so um, so there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting. We've had a few emails in from extroverts saying a similar thing, saying mm. actually the they they also experience God in the noise and in the thrills and in that, but there's still this place for silence, which does something slightly different. And it does reveal things. I've been listening, actually, one of the things I've been doing this week, I've been listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy again. Oh, have whole, you? A whole series That's plus the wonderful. extra new ones they recorded based on the books. And there's a wonderful bit in that, which uh, Ford Prefect, who's one of oh, the yeah. aliens, has, has a, a theory about why human beings keep talking. Um, you know, as in saying yeah. the obvious things or like, you know, <laughs> it's a nice day or you're very tall and those kinds of things. <laughs> his fir- and he says his first theory was that if human beings didn't keep exercising their lips, their mouths probably shriveled up. <laughs> After a few months of observation, he'd come up with a second theory, which was this. If human beings don't keep exercising their lips, their brains start working. <laughs> <laughs> And I do think that's kind of um, uh, true of what happens in silence, actually. Your brain works in a different way, you know. Yeah. But a different way. Douglas Adams, brilliant. Anyway, yeah. uh, and I came across this uh, quote uh, this week, which I thought I'd just include here uh, because oh, okay. it seemed relevant. And it says this, When so much of our world is focused on making us feel like human doings instead of human beings, moving into solitude and silence is both a gift and a burden. Once we have overcome the external pressure to perform, we are left with our own interiority. The trouble and the opportunity in solitude is that there is no one around to blame for our moods and our difficulties. We are stuck with ourselves. Mm, And actually, that is kind of a frightening thought sometimes, depending, Mm. you know, how life's going and, and what's going on. And I think it's just this another one of those paradoxes I think we're coming to about you know there's a need for stillness and introspection but equally don't overdo that <laughs> mm. you need to you need to be active and you need to be out and it's just i don't know is anyone perfectly balanced in these matters no i i you know the, well no one's perfectly balanced but there is a balance to be be had between introspection and, and action which i think we're going to touch on aren't we well yeah i kind of wanted to talk about just just talk about that i suppose these paradoxes we were we were looking at something uh last week in soul place and i don't really want to talk about the thing we were looking at it's this is the conversation it led into we were we were thinking about the fact that the gospel is personal and political and what that actually means for us as followers of jesus there's this personal dynamic of life and life and all its fullness in the kingdom that we're embracing but there is this kind of s- standing up against the dominating powers especially Mm. when they're corrupt and or evil or whatever language Mm. you want to use there so you know that led into the sort of conversation of what's an appropriate level of political involvement and all the problems and pitholes one falls into when you eventually decide a political party to support for example a general election or the rest of it and um and i could see as we were going through this conversation with people talking about political involvement, it reminded me of times in church when you've got the visiting speaker from whatever it happens happens to be on that day. Mm. And 
and they lay another thing that you should be concerned about mm-hmm. on you. And a, mm-hmm. another thing for you to be involved in, and actually a real sign of your commitment to the gospel and to Jesus, is that you get involved. Mm-hmm. So whether it's getting involved in politics or whether it's getting involved in mission or whether it's getting involved in green ethical issues or whatever it happens to be that day, whichever area the speaker is from. On the one hand, you're really grateful that they're alerting you to some need or some issue that actually the gospel really does have something to say about. On the other hand, there's this subliminal guilt being passed on that you're not doing enough. Mm. And the trouble is, when, you, when you've hung around churches for years and years, that guilt just grows mission Sunday by mission Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Until, you know, when you get to the middle of your life, you are carrying quite a heavy heavy burden of how inadequate you are mm. at writing letters to the persecuted church or, or or people that really need your support or giving money to all the various charities mm. that need your support. So I, I just felt there was a discussion to be had around how do you stop that? And, and this is a common experience for people in midlife crisis. They've just, they feel like going to church is a bit like going to the guilt factory. You know, they may have just got themselves in a good place on a Saturday night, but it's Sunday morning again, and it's time to go and feel rotten again about all I'm not doing as a Christian. Do, do you know mm. what I mean? I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm now I'm characterising it. Yeah. And so this led to this discussion, which I wanted to roll past you, really, which is what if the thing that we're meant to do is the things that we're passionate about? You know, that, 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 that needs to be the priorities in our life. That You know, if God's created desires for you to create art and beauty and things like that, you need to do that. Or if, as you know, in the case with the woman to whom I married, you're really concerned about the environment and the sea in particular and, you know, the plastic therein and that stuff, then you need to really passionately follow it and advocate that in community. It's not that you need necessarily to make people feel guilty about their lack of involvement, but your contribution to the community is to make people aware. Do you know what I mean? So it's your aliveness is sort of dependent on you doing what you're called to do and what you're passionate about. And supposing that's what the voice of the divine is actually saying to you. Um, you know, if you're feeling weighed down with guilt, it's, what are you really passionate about? What are you interested in? What difference do you want to make? Pursue that. Follow that. So, for example, in our little group, there's 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 um, a, a, a woman there who's really passionate about India. And she has connections to schools. She goes there regularly and we support her in doing that. And mm. she informs the group. But there's no expectation on us to be involved in, in, in India yeah. or to go to India ourselves. We're just there to do that. So this idea that what we should be doing is doing the thing that we're passionate about and not feeling guilty about all the stuff we're not getting involved in. OK. Well, I think a couple of things occur to me. One, I do think that there's a thing that's happening in church. I I sort of notice it a bit. And I suppose I would since I'm from a campaigning organisation. Part of my life is spent Mm. with a campaigning organisation. One is that we're so worried about making people feel guilty about anything that we don't in the end demand anything of them. You know, and I think there's actually been a bit of a backlash against that. And you sort of, you, you know... That people tread around all kinds of things. I notice it particularly when churches are talking about money. You know, they're so 
grateful for anybody bothering to turn up that they, they they're not yeah. overt about look here's what we need yeah. we've got to do that yeah. so so i okay, do yeah. think that there's a danger in this line of thought that way by if it's just about what what you know what god has placed on our hearts well what's to stop me just saying well god has really placed on my heart lying on the sofa drinking and that <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> That is really where That's I feel. That's red, because me too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's where my strengths are, and I really want to play to that. Um, yeah. Okay. So I do think there is stuff you are supposed to do. I do think I I do. I've come to the opinion that there is some duty stuff. There is, you know, I don't want to. Uh, it's a kind of old-fashioned oh, you language, really and I know. Sound like an evangelical. I now. knew Here you'd go. hate. I knew oh. you'd hate this because you are just you are so, so up yourself. But old you know, school. There is stuff we're supposed to do. I think then, there is. Oh, now, then, like a bit of guilt. <laughs> do well. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty, although you are inept and useless. Um, no, I. I just think it's like. I, I just think there are certain duties. How you do that, how you express that, that's where perhaps your passion and your heart really comes in, because uh, Jesus said, "Where your money is, there your heart is." But but equally. You could turn that around and go, where your heart is, that's what you'll give your money to, and that's what you'll give your time yeah. and attention. You could broaden yeah. it. Okay. So, so that, so otherwise, I think we, you know, I do think there is a danger sometimes with um, when we go through this mid faith crisis, when we want to withdraw from everything, and we and for under, entirely understandable reasons. But I don't think community is like living in a student house where everybody lies in and nobody does the washing up. Um, you know, there are yeah, okay. there are okay. people to be served. And I entirely agree that we should free ourselves from the. We can't. We can't fix every problem. So everyone who no. comes to us will have a different thing, and that's why I think your your heart, your passion needs to be touched. So as you said, yeah. if it's ecology, then that's your heart and your passion. If it's the persecuted church, then that's your heart and your passion. Or yeah. if it's a particular country, many people have a have, yeah. to use an old-fashioned phrase, have a heart for a certain country, which yeah. really means that they're fascinated by, it, they're yeah. interested in it, they've got yeah. connection with it. Yeah. So pursue that. Don't feel guilty. But I, I, I do think the mid-faith crisis shouldn't be an excuse for just, you know, disengaging from absolutely everything in that in that way. Well, I sort of agree with you. Um, and I think what you're doing is you're putting putting your finger on my tendency to push, swing the pendulum too far in the other direction. And I, th- I think that is that is a well, fair that's criticism. basically what this podcast does. <laughs> but no, because I think I think I do. I mean, so, you know, we always say to people when they when they join Soul Place, you know, like you're, you're going to get the most out of this if you if you come regularly to it and everything. At mm. the same time, you know, if you. If you, we understand that people are busy and they've got busy mm. lives and you may be knackered and it's better for you to sleep and sit in front of the TV and drink wine on a Thursday night than it is to come out. Yes, and we understand yes, that yes. from time to time. We Equally, we understand if you want to go to the theatre because everything yes. great happens on a Thursday night in Worthing, I've discovered, since starting Soul Place on a Thursday night. <laughs> so we understand if you're if you're out on that. but and, and you go with our blessing and there's no kind of, there's no kind of, subliminal guilt message we genuinely want you to experience life in all its fullness and every now and then not coming to soul place and going to the theater or the cinema or having a nice meal out with is is important it's not yes 
it's no, I, I fully accept that. I mean, I might challenge the phrase "everything great happens in Worthing on a Thursday night." <laughs> no, because we got a cheap cinema on a Monday. Because right? it's the use of "everything great" and "Worthing" in one sentence. That I'm going no. to challenge. But anyway, the, stop it. The, no, the point is, I, I agree with that. I think the problem is not that the church makes demands on us; it makes the wrong demands on us. It, uh, you know, it's a yes. question of what those demands are. So it's demands about attendance or about, you know you know fitting everything in or about turning up singing loudly or about you know looking happy during the worship all this kind of stuff yeah. demands i'm caricaturing the church but the, yeah, yeah. you know I, I think those aren't what the church should be demanding mm. what the church should be demanding and perhaps that's too strong a word is christ-likeness yeah that's no, what I it do. should be yeah. encouraging maybe okay. not demanding is the wrong word encouraging suddenly we are back on the same page i agree oh. Because, I'm so happy. Well, I think the fundamental purpose of the church, to, to get another quote I heard recently, but I can't remember where from, the, the, church, the job of the church is to get the job of love done. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry to oversimplify stuff, but I mean, that's as good a phrase as you're going to get. What are we here to do? We're here to get yeah. the job of love done. And that's love for each other and it's love for the world and it's love for the poor. And it's, you know, no, no mess about it. And And within the context of that, yeah, we hear... We hear the words of Jesus saying, in order to find your life, you must lose it. But that has been taken by people as, ah, God wants me to be a doormat. I should be I should be walked all over people. And, you know, that old, uh, you know, sort of analogy of joy, you know, Jesus first, others next, yes, yourself yes, yes, last. Yes. And so you become this miserable, burnt out little worm that's yes, not I doing agree. enough to put Jesus first or other people first. Now dare you think about what would bring you life. And so I react against that. I, I don't want to say there's no demands in following Jesus. I mean, it's going to cost you your life. I mean, he was mm. fairly open about that, wasn't he? Mm. But you're, you're right. It's it's knowing what that means and not allowing that to be what I feel sometimes people have made that out to mean, which is you're here to serve me and my agenda and my church. Yeah. Know. So I think I think to love others as you love yourself is a very interesting yeah, phrase, isn't it? Because both are objects are objects of love. And so you you can't serve and I've learned this the hard way. You can't mm. serve from um, a, a a basis of effort, really, a, a mm. pure effort. I mean, sometimes yeah. you just say effort, but if that's all you've got, and that's all you, and you're determined, you grit your teeth again, yeah. you'll break. You yeah. will break because you're not loving yourself, and you're not taking care of yourself, and you, mm. that's why we need a community around us as well to 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 be sensible about these things. Mm. But it all comes from from a, a place of love. Mm. ultimately well, um you know and so that's i i i think just be careful because i think otherwise the way is that we could mm. end up in sort of a kind of quietism where we don't really do anything we just sit and and navel gaze and we don't get out in the world really no and exactly. I, I'm, I'm not in favor of that it brings us full circle to where we started and we were we started yeah. by talking about silence and solitude and what happens there i think is the ability to see, you know, what, what the crushing wrong beliefs, what, what the self-hatred has done for you, yeah. um, the self-loathing. And goodness me, I could easily name Christians I know who've been following Jesus for many decades and fundamentally they're, they're still full of self-loathing. 
and their lives have been characterized by activity and service and others would look at them and say wow what good Christians wow we'd like to serve like they do and do as much as they do but the the hidden life is they they feel worthless they feel not good enough they feel god god's judging them and down on them and disappointed in them all that sort of stuff we've talked about before so there there has to be that and maybe it's we're back to that whole thing about seasons Mm. maybe there are seasons of silence seasons of inactivity seasons of not serving but only as a basis to then go and serve from that new place of Mm. self-acceptance and love Mm. i don't know very good well listen i'd like to read a poem to end would you? Is it going Which to make lit- you feel guilty? Literally, is it for methyl? No, it's not for methyl. It, it's, so one of the things I forgot to say at the beginning was this week I've discovered this poet. I say discovered because yeah. obviously many, many thousands, of, if not millions of people knew about her, called um, uh, uh, Mary Oliver. Mary uh, Oliver! Do you know Mary Oliver? No. Okay. Uh, so, so a correspondent wrote to me about a sermon I'd preached and recommended Mary Oliver and apparently all our American listeners will now be going well duh because I think she's a, she's a big noise over there was a, a big noise okay. over there but she's a uh, what I've the poems I've read of hers are just wonderful so I think this kind of one feeds into this uh, okay. this is called Wild Geese you do not have to be good you do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Well, why didn't you start with that? And then we needn't have prattled on. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> that, that beautiful? Is, that is absolutely fantastic. You have to just, you know, let the soft animal of your body love what it loves, find your place in the family of things and I, I i just well there we go yes and that requires actually a community it a does. really encouraging community to help you find your place i think that's all yeah. i'd say and that's why we need church church at its best is that place great well oh. that was that was that was good <laughs> that was a little rant wasn't it but it was it wasn't quite ranty no. but it's nice to have a bit of a disagreement because yeah. i felt we'd been agreeing with each other for far too uh, far too much recently uh, yes so it's more fun um, yes. so anyway thank you very much for listening um yeah. thank you to everyone who supports the podcast uh if you'd like to do that you can do that from the web page and if you want to write in write into joe at midfaithcrisis.org and also there are events up on the web page um mm. that that are still available um i won't go through them now in detail but you can find them there no and um, we'll be back with you next week see you then